Yo, this is Jimmy Webb from I Need More right here in New York City. You're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. You know where they are. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 164. My name is Brando. Happy, as we're recording this, happy third night of Hanukkah. Sorry, I have to clear my throat. Uh, and Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, Izzy Stradlin just tweeted a couple hours ago, a happy holidays, whatever you, Festivus for the rest of us, whatever. This is a great uh, time of year where people are actually nice to each other. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you want that all year round, but at least that's, as a Jew uh, who, who used to hate Christmas as a child, everyone was at least nice to each other. It was true. I felt left out. That's why, Jimmy. Uh, before we get to our, our star of this episode, uh, first, actually, you're... The Shining Star. Now I feel like I'm insulting Lee by accident. Uh, Lee, uh, a friend of the show now, a uh, fan may remember her from last episode, <laughs> uh, Lee Williams from the UK. How are you? I'm hey, good, Lee. thank you very much. What time is it there? Uh, is it Christmas yet, where you are? It's Christmas Eve, 10pm-ish. Winding down time for the evening now and just chilling out and waiting for Santa to arrive. Yabba dabba do. Does Lee, and I'll probably ask you this uh, this question later, Jimmy Webb, do you buy gifts for your friends and family or do you make them? Uh, both. Depends how busy I am, but this year has been exceptionally busy, so I have done quite more buying than I would do making, but it varies from year to year. Okay, right on. Uh, and we're going to talk, and I'm going to ask you this question, Jimmy, later. This is my weird setups, and even though I keep bringing you in. Uh, for those who, if, you, if you're just listening to this episode as a standalone, the last one we had Lee on in a, a profile that we do, a fan profile called Fan Obsession. And she also, I guess for lack of a better word, won the opportunity to co-host because she, even though it was on her uh, it was on her list of, of things to do during her trip to New to New York was to go to Jimmy's store. I need more. She reached out to me before I guess the trip or when you landed or whatever, and you're like, "Do you want me to get you Jimmy Webb as a guest?" I said, "Yeah, if as long as you know we don't have to tw- turn his arm or twist his arm or anything." So I I wanted to make sure that you were a part of this conversation. And, and, and I appreciate you joining us so late Christmas Eve uh, via Skype Lee, and you'll be my co-host. And, you know, as if I ramble on too much, which happens quite often, just tell me to shut up and uh, and take part in this conversation with, with the great Jimmy Webb. Uh, but that being said, Jimmy, Jimmy Webb here in studio, I feel like I've seen you everywhere but in person. And it's just a, such a pleasure to not just speak with you, but to meet you, shake your hand. You're, you're just such a... A warm personality, and you made me feel good, you know, before even meeting you about doing this podcast and how this was special to you. And 
welcome and thank you for hanging out. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's an awesome, awesome place to be on Christmas Eve. Or as you said, whatever you're celebrating. But it is Christmas Eve. It is the third day of Hanukkah. I don't know if it's Kwanzaa or whatever. It's like whatever day of the week it is. It's fabulous because life is awesome. Is your store open? Today? No. You know what? I gave it a big break. I was like, I took a, because we're closed every Monday. That's the day we close, like a hairdressing shop in New York or something. Okay. And it's, um, and then I was like, you know, let, let's take Christmas Eve off and let's take Christmas Day off and then just all come back full force on Thursday. And I wanted to give my amazing employees a wonderful break and some time off. I have wonderful people that work in the store, like they're angels and elves and hard workers and they're very dedicated to the spirit of the story. They get it. And it's awesome to have people that work for me that get it. It's awesome to have Lee's line in the story. You know, you mentioned Lee, but Lee's become a friend. Uh, and she also has an amazing line in the story of her hand-painted vests and jackets. They're awesome, you know. I, I love it. And yeah. just to be here in this moment again, we got Lee's story last time of, yeah, her... Her line is in your store, and that says so much about... I mean, her work speaks for itself, but for someone like you... Absolutely. ...who must get so many offers to work with people, to to welcome it in your home, essentially, the I need more home. Yes, although I'm courted, like I'm courted a lot to have merchandise in the store, and it feels wonderful to be courted or have done this so long, to have your opinion or what you do respected and appreciated, but... um. But it didn't take much courting from Lee, dude. I just saw her work, and I could so see it was done from the heart, and it was done with truth, and Slash being the common denominator in it, because it came through uh, her friend Pat, who used to, I think, babysit Slash when he was young or something like that. So it was all based in love. And then when I saw her work, I was like, this definitely has to be here, you know? I'm curious how we got here, like in this moment, how people know... There's, I feel like there's always a different reason why somebody knows about Jimmy Webb. So I want to know essentially where you came from. I know you came from your parents. We didn't, we don't need to go back that far. <laughs> but where did you grow up? Because I want to know the younger Jimmy Webb and how you're still, you know, kicking ass. Uh, well, my story is pretty well known because I say it all the time or I feel like it's known. You know, I ran away here when I was 17. I ran away to New York City. It was 1975. I was 16 years old. I came with my clothes in a pillowcase. I didn't know anybody. I mean, I did get here through two people I met while hitchhiking around that flew me here. But basically, I came here alone in 1975. I was 16 years old. Yes, I did graduate high school. And because um, I'm always like, finish finish the things you don't want to finish because it teaches you to do what you don't want to do to get where you got to go. And that's so rock and roll. Um, and I just arrived in this magnificent, gorgeous city in 1975. And it was so amazingly beautiful here and so diverse. I, you know, came to Wonderland. It was awesome. For me... You know, and I, I don't know about how you feel, Lee, you know, for, since I'm a New Yorker, but I'm, I'm young. I wasn't born until 83. So I heard stories of, of New York City in the, the mid to late 70s. Yeah, it was that's magical. Just... It was very taxi driver. It was very uh, midnight cowboy. Everything you've seen very later on, Paris is burning. All this very panic in Needle Park. You know, I came here from a, I call it a hillbilly town, a small country town. And when I was like, I don't know. 14, 15 years old, I was walking, we call it to the Crick, 
you know, a little stream and okay. we're going to have, it was one of my first times drinking Boone's Farm and Tango with older friends. And on the transistor radio came Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Do, 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 do. Little transistor yelled up by your ear. And my friend was like, listen to this song. Do you hear this song? And I was like, oh my God, it was talking to my heart. And I knew in that moment I was going to take a walk on the wild side. <laughs> I didn't know what the wild side was. I didn't know what a tranny was. I didn't know what a leather daddy was. I didn't know what a Park Avenue lady was. I didn't know what a Wall Street businessman was. I'm using all of them because there's a little bit of all of them in that song. And I knew I was going to have to go there. And I ended up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was awesome. You know, and I came from a town where I had a pet go. only met one black person until I was 13. So I came from a very small... Where was this? Wine and Skill, New York. <laughs> okay. Like two cities outside of Albany. There's Albany, Troy. Oh, state, okay. And then there's Wine and Skill. And, you know, I grew up eating, you know, making mud pies and playing on jungle gyms. And like a typical little boy doing things your imagination takes you to do. But I knew I needed more. It's funny that my store ended up, I Need More, <laughs> named by Iggy Pop, my big back tattoo. And because um, I get more and more all the time. I was going to ask you, and I'm glad you answered it uh, in case if I forgot it, but where the, the, the name of the store came from, I Need More. I'm assuming, that's kind of the theme, I guess, because that's what it, it sounds like you were when you heard you know, uh, right. the, the, the song on the radio. So what really attracted you, was it just that that attracted you to uh, New York? And well, New York just came very mishap, like very, because it was supposed to be like a destiny. You know, I was hitchhiking. I went to college in Connecticut to get out of my small town. I was 16. I was a baby. I was this little innocent white boy, you know, and I went to college in Connecticut. I ran into two buddies. I kind of sucked at school. I didn't want to study, you know what I mean? And I took off with two friends and hitchhiked to Florida. And I was the littlest and the weakest, they thought. But, dude, I was the strongest. I was the only one that made it out, dude. And, you know, we hitched around Florida. And then I ran into these two guys that, like, put me in this big hotel. And I stayed with them. They just thought I was cool and nice. It was the innocence, I think. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was my karma. I don't know what it was. But there was no real demands on me except just to be young and me. And then they flew me to New York, and here I ended up. Oh, then I bleached my hair. Then magic happened. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to do other than rock and roll? Was there something you set out to do when you were younger? Did you grow up dreaming of owning a clothing store? Absolutely or? not. I didn't think so. You know so, what I mean? But... You had to let the the universe unfold the way it should. I've done a lot of things. And um, I think the thing I wanted to do, which I still want to do, is be true to myself and make people happy. It's, I mean, I <laughs> that's I feel, all I want to do. I feel like Lee just wants to say you're doing that. You're doing that right now. You know, well, my career in life ended up being, first of all, I can't believe I have a career. You know, I don't sell clothes. I don't own a store. I don't do anything. I just make dreams come true. I get to make people right. happy every single day. Even social media. I didn't want to do social media, and it was Slash that talked me into social media. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want everyone's opinion. I don't want everyone seems angry. They're saying rude things to each other. And when I was leaving my old job, it was Slash. He was just like, Jimmy, 
you need to start social media. Like, but I don't want to. I don't want friends that way. I don't want people I don't want to know. I want to communicate. He goes, Jimmy, you need social media. And I was just like, he said, just do an Instagram. Then. It'll take like minutes. You just have to post one thing every day. And I remember I was sitting there and I was like, well, okay. I was like, and he said, and you're going to move on. We know kind of what you're going to do, but you're open to what the universe is going to have you do. No, we didn't know what I was going to do, truthfully. (laughs) How I came to owning I Need More as a magical rock and roll journey experience. But back then, and I turned to Slash over on the phone and I said, well, can it be a storybook about rock and roll? And he said, it can be anything you want it to be. And I was just like, wow. And when I started, you know, Jimmy Webb NYC, um... I started it with a very positive thing about the love of life, the lust for life, as I call it, without the liquor and drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? The real deal going for it way. And a storybook about the good things in life. Fortunately, right after I started it, I met up with Guns N' Roses in Vegas for the first shows. So I just admit that made it blow up, the post. But the positiveness in it and the love in it made it grow really, really big. So to know I get to spread love every day through social media is awesome, you know. You do, and I, I yeah. feel it. I you know, yeah. follow on Twitter, I follow on Facebook. You know, uh, you're one of those people, and I find it endearing. Yeah. You love the caps lock. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, the, you know what the caps are? I know people are like, why are you yelling? It's like, I'm not yelling. I'm like Iggy. I'm being passionate. You know, I have to. driving it on home. And then when I had to start the I Need More one, it was even more awesome because I had to balance too. And how I do it every day, dude, because it's that kind of like pain and a little bit of pressure, pain in the ass. It's just like I get up, I sit in silence, I say a prayer, meaning I just throw it out there. And then I just, you know, I usually have a picture in mind or something will pop up that day because now my life's gotten so big and I'll just post it and speak from the heart. Do you know, you know what? I'm sat here. <laughs> nodding my head and preach absolutely everything because it's so very, very rare in this life that you meet genuine people with a genuine purpose. And and just like Jimmy says, it's not about selling a piece of clothing or selling a badge. It's about giving you the light. It's about giving you life. It honestly is. I'm just sat here. You know, I spoke to Jimmy a hundred times, if not more. We've shared laughs, we've had conversations, but every time words come out of Jimmy's mouth, it it's just like hearing something new all over again. It's just unbelievable. Jimmy has this power. I can't describe it. I genuinely, I, I, even now, sat, I'm still listening in awe to everything that he has to say. And I just can't believe that your listeners and and I've seen it on your um, on your Facebook and, and and so forth that people hadn't heard of Jimmy. I'm like, what? How could you not heard of Jimmy? But I'm so glad. I am so genuinely glad that Jimmy's now able to share so much more passion with so many more people that haven't heard the story. And it is it is just about being genuine and giving out everything. And it's amazing. I'm so I'm just amazed. Well, that thank he's here you very very much. Story. You know, and I'll never give that piece up, but I've had some great teachers and, you know, I'm getting all, you know, teary eyed, but they're beautiful tears. They're sincere tears. And you know why I'll never get up because give it up because I've had some great teachers. Iggy has been one of my greatest teachers 
and the fact that now he's my friend. I was just an Iggy fan. You know what I mean? I was locked up in a mental institution after a suicide attempt years ago, where many have been. Those I, those books by those icons that have been in the nut houses yeah. like Iggy. You know, and when I got out, or even while I was there in the lockdown world, I would just hear the lyrics to Iggy's songs in my head, and I would learn to read and write and walk again, literally. I'm not even exaggerating. It took six months to teach me to bathe once and a full year to read and write, and all I would hear was the Iggy songs. So when you go down to sincerity, Iggy gave me that life and that way back and that honesty. Or Debbie Harry, she's such another honest person. Or Slash, listen to a Slash guitar solo, dude. It is so real. It is so honest. Dude, I was in Paris with him. Dude, and I was on my knees. Well, I was dancing like a, whoa, I danced like a wild man on the side of the stage. And I was in Paris with them. Paris, the city of magic, it's gorgeous. It's so beautifully lit. The museums are great. The churches are great. Outside my balcony in my movie star robe, I would see the Eiffel Tower. Oh, my God. It was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and being with Slash, he's just this everyday guy. In real life, he's a very polite, lovely gentleman, a good friend. You know, we call each other up and the lines are, how are you? We don't talk about guitars. We don't talk about songs. We don't talk about 1982. Sure. We talk about today. And the beauty and the and magic of life. You know? And here it comes full circle. I mean, you're a fan as much as I am, as much as everybody else. And you can hear in your voice the change, the joy comes out in your voice, like it probably does in my voice and other fans' voices. Well, and that in mm. itself is just a beautiful thing to hear, even for even from me. And I've had the opportunity to meet Slash in person and I understand that and I get that and do you know what the most beautiful thing is that that has brought us together it brings millions of people together and that is such a strong connection it's undeniably powerful the connection that people can have when they have this mutual respect and love for one another it doesn't matter you know what the subject is I think is. it brings you even to a bigger place than that I think it, the reason it brings us together is because it brings us to truth. Like when I was yes. in Paris and I was on the side of the stage, right? And I'm dancing like a crazy man. I'd never been to Paris before. I got swept away and talking about the magic of Paris. But there I am with Slash. He's my friend. But he's out there on stage. And this is where the Rocket Queen solo came. Okay. I know this is, no one knew this was going to happen. And he's standing there. And all of a sudden, he breaks into a 21-minute solo due to those fingers just aren't stopping and the sweat is pouring off and the energy coming out of his body was overwhelming and it was so strong and the power of it going out to this French audience you know what I mean and half of them couldn't even speak English but they were feeling it and I just fell to my knees on that side of the stage from all out dancing and I was bawling just bawling because it was so real and it was so honest and it was so true, you know, and living that truth. Dude, no, it's funny because I was watching Miles on the side. He kept running to run on stage. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's not done. He's not done. He's not done. And then when Miles did run out, someone threw the big French flag up there. You know what I mean? The mm -hmm. flag of France. And it just billowed down and Miles wrapped himself around it. And they all ended with Sweet Child. 
Now, if that's not life-changing and that doesn't have you be real and be true and like, you know what I mean, have the joy of the laughter of a six-year-old child or or dress someone in the tightest pants ever, then (laughs) then you're just missing the whole point. I'm curious of how, again, how do we even get to this point? How does somebody... You know, we we could be here for an entire trilogy of podcasts to get everything. Honesty, honesty. I'm going to just interrupt you and answer you answer you honestly. When I first met Slash, he just came into the store. He wanted pants. I knew how to hook him up and find the right pants, and we just became friends. I don't know how it happens. Whether it's you and McGregor, or Debbie Harry, or Liv Tyler, or Steven Tyler, or Iggy Pop. Iggy was my big one. I got to admit, but. I just am honest with them and I just treat them very human and they appreciate the human and they treat me like a human. And the next thing I know, I have their cell phone number or they're inviting me to dinner and it is what it is. How, so they didn't know about, they weren't friends with you until the store? The store happened Until first? my last job recently or just meeting people along. Slash always says he remembers me from the past and Iggy would always say, oh, I saw Jimmy Webb in the audience or whatever. I don't know. It just happens. If you let the magic happen, it happens. If you look on I Need More, you know, the Instagram, dude, there's an amazing six-year-old little boy who's watched me on Instagram with his mother. And I show up at work late the other day, and he's with Eddie in China who worked there for me. And he's like six. And he's just like, oh, my God, you're Jimmy, you're Jimmy, you're Jimmy. Thank God I happen to have a real Slash guitar pick with me. I'll slash his guitar out of his pocket. I always annoy him and make him give me one. Chemo, <laughs> the bodyguard. Like, I need a real one. Give me one that's been, you know, yours. And I saved them for that special God-given moment. Oh, okay. And I gave it to this little boy, right? And then I hooked him up and got him a leather jacket. And all of a sudden, this boy with this Ramones hair just starts screaming, rock and roll, rock and roll, and starts dancing. And that's the magic. How did that happen? It just happened. Because they, these kind of people, because it's obvious once you, you meet you why it happens, right? But it's the opportunity, and it could be the universe or whatever it is, that, you know, if they find their store or find your store, however it is, they've had so many people come in and out of their lives, let's just say that. And it's the special connection to you that, it's, again, it's not just Slash. It's not just you and McGregor. It's it's Debbie Harry, and I'm cur- currently wearing my Blondie t shirt for you. Yeah, honey. It's, it's Iggy Pop. The fact that you keep finding yourself in these situations after being so down and out, it seems, to befriend this the role decks of the Hollywood stars. You know, when, you know they've De- all. It's like they've all. I don't know. It's this weird connected dots that all are connected to you. Well, when Debbie Harry kisses you on the lips, life changes, oh, dude. Wow. It's like, dude, and I still I, know. I, she's my friend, even. friend, as you all know, but she, she's got that magic like no one else has, but she's still just Debbie. But when I call her, and she's my friend, friend, as you know, I'm a blubbering idiot. I'm just like a stupid boy talking to the most beautiful blonde <laughs> in the world. You know, she makes me be. nervous. Yeah. The power of a woman. Or when we were reading. Recently, like, uh, you know, I didn't go on tour with them, but I went with my amazing friend, David Godless. He's my travel buddy. You know, he's got that amazing book, History at Night, and he took all those great photos. And he goes to me, um, he's good friends with Chris, too, so we'll go meet Blondie on tour every once in a while, dude. When Debbie just recently dedicated Heart of Glass to me, dude, I was like a puddle. 
you know, a puddle, mm. you know, and that was just life changing and very giving. And that makes me want to give, that's, you know, that's what's so <sighs> unbelievable. Again, there are in all of our lives, there's somebody special, but for you to be that person to all these others who could, could easily be so uh, defensive against meeting new people because they've been burned before. But again, they, they just meet you seemingly like right away and you are just, it's like a lifelong friendship that just somehow picked up in the middle of right. both of your lives. But I feel I try to have that with everybody that comes in the store. I have it with with Lee. You've been having I it with I have me. it with you. you have- right. It just started happening with you. Exactly. You have to be sincere and you have to be honest. Just like you have to tell someone when it's like bullshit. You know what I mean? So like when that- Debbie doesn't like something, she tells me. Iggy's <laughs> like straight up about it. Dude, it's like probably one of the best friends I could ever have. You know what I mean? And um, because so he's so honest from, with me. Where does that come from uh, for you? Because I had to learn, I feel, the hard way. I was raised right, but it wasn't until I went through certain tragedies that really w- awoken me and, and see how... Perhaps I come off to other people or how to treat other people. Like, I didn't get it until tragedy struck my life with some family stuff that I had to go on. Uh, was it, were you always like this? Did you have to hit the depths? No, I don't know. I think I also kind of appreciated the, like, one of the most punk rock people I know was my grandmother. I had a really <laughs> great grandmother, a really sweet grandmother. She was so cool, right? And she raised like three children alone because her husband died, my dad's father, when they were really young. So this is like the 40s or something like that. And she went and she scrubbed other people's floors to raise money and feed them and carried the buckets of water. And she was so sweet her whole life. She was like the most punk rock thing in the world. A woman in a man's world, raising three children alone, never being bitter. You know, and she dealt with me through everything. Like when I was in that mental institution and when I was a heroin addict, she kind of let me know she disapproved, but she loved me unconditionally. And I always used her as an inspiration. And I remember Grandma Webb. She was fucking awesome. Dude, I remember her. I would look at her little back window when I was a little boy, right? Standing on my tippy toes. And she had very, very little, right? Remember, you know, scrubbed other people's floors for a living, right? And, um, and all the little animals would come out of the woods to her backyard. The chipmunks, the squirrels. The robins, the blue jays, the rabbits. I'm like, she oh li- my god, lived like in a, a Disney stream. film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, literally, because she gave so much love, and they would come because if she had a no exaggeration, like one piece of bread, you know, she would take half of it and break it up and throw it out to the animals. Mm. So she was the beginning of teaching me everything I know. Like, and that's Iggy. Iggy's a giver. Slash is a giver. Debbie is a giver. They're all givers. You can't be a taker. You have to be a giver. Right on. There's not enough people in this world that give. And I think that's what makes everything that Jimmy does so incredibly special because we are exposed to so much stuff these days where it is all about take, take, take. And when you when you when you genuinely encounter somebody like Jimmy that just gives unconditionally. Uh, for some people, it can be such a surprise, but why, it shouldn't be a surprise. That should be how people live. You know, we should all be giving, regardless of where you're from, how you grew up, what your beliefs are. You know, we're all in this together. We ain't going to get out alive. Don't worry about being a star. 
Just be. You know, in this day of social media, everyone wants to be a star. Everyone wants to be, but they don't know their history. Dude, I watch all these people quote Jim Carroll, Timothy Leary, whoever they're quoting, and they don't even put it in quotation marks or bow down to where they got it from. Mm -hmm. Do they even know where they got it from? Remember the take a walk on the wild side thing? Dude, I got to meet Lou. Uh, Rachel in Coney Island, baby. He sings to the end. I lived with her for a while. Well, we both slept on somebody else's floor uh, in the 70s. It was great. You know, and I got to meet like Hollywood Lawn. I went on bended knee with Flower. She had given me so much by her mere existence. You know, I felt like I was meeting Princess Diana or Jackie Kennedy, two great other punk rock mother, great women of punk rock, in my opinion. And let's just make sure we take a, a moment to shout out all the grandmas. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had well, I have a grandma, grandma that wasn't so nice, too. She was a bitter woman. Fair, like fair enough. The nice grandmas. All the good grandmas the, of the world, right? The yeah. good grandmas. It's, let's be honest. It's, it's, it's a thought that's going through my mind right now, and, and it, of course, connects to this uh, GNR North Star that we do. You know, I, I really, because my, I'll, I'll just use my grandfather as a great example. He was the youngest of six. He lived through the Great Depression, but he always gave, gave, gave. But he knew firsthand of what it was like to have nothing. Like his mom died when he was six. You know, it was just, he lived through tragedies. But I would not, I, I didn't know of any of it. You know, I only learned about it when he was older. Uh, so with someone like, then with, with me, I even though I, I learned how, how to be nice and how to give, I didn't know the other end of it until I until I did, until I hit those rock bottoms with addiction or, you know, losing my, my, my dad to suicide, you know, a friend close, uh, you know, one friend I did lose, another friend I was, was close to it. So not until I hit those tragedies and you don't want to live through them, of course, but sometimes that perspective is, there's perspective change. At least that's the silver lining of it all. Uh, but to get at a little bit of the morbid part of, uh, of my thought here with GNR, it's the honesty that that was the word of, of, that you were using before, the honesty. And they seem to be, since they're active again, that's what has made them last so long is the honesty of the people, the honesty of the music. And I can see why you've connected. All of them. Look at look at them. They're like the, yeah, like look at them. They're like the stones. Look at that honesty when it's up there on stage. I just got to see the stones again. Seven seat from Jagger at the end of the runway. Fucking amazing. Talk about real. Talk about honest. But the Guns N' Roses thing, like that side of the stage in Paris thing, you know, and that was with the Miles Kennedy thing, not the Guns N' Roses thing, but not the same, but just as powerful. Dude, every year, I think it's November 14th, I always want to call them and their manager and thank them and write a note on how life-changing, how they changed my life and enhanced my life. Every year. So I think it's going up on four years. I have it on the calendar like a birthday. <laughs> well, it was a rebirthday. You know what I mean? And if I don't get to write that letter, I'll be that honest or call slash or Jeff, the manager, or whoever, Miles, any of them. I thank them in my heart. So I wrote the letter within my heart. And Duff's the same way. Duff's awesome. You were talking about Loaded. I remember going to see them at the Gramercy, right? And like Duff is such a giving person. His whole family. When I had the pleasure and luxury and blessing of launching his gorgeous daughter's uh, clothing line at I Need More, what a magnificent day. And they're thanking me? No, I'm thanking you. You're the new generation. You're the future. 
or watching Grace McKagan go, being part of these girls' lives that they give so much to me. Henry, history continues. How they meet Duff? A pair of pants. My friend Anthony from Barney said, oh, you got to go see Jimmy. He goes, he goes, hey, I'm Duff. I'm Duff McKagan. I'm like, <laughs> I know who you are. And that was the birth of a happens. beautiful friendship. And then we were everywhere together that whole year when he played Times Square. Anytime he was in New York, it would be like we'd get to hang. Yeah, I there, I have access through my job through uh, to Getty Pictures, so I, uh, I've been posting a lot. And there are ones I found of on the of the CBGB festival. Yeah, right. You yeah. were you were there, and you're showing off your back uh, tattoo. Yeah, on yeah, in the little dressing room after dancing on the side of the stage yeah. like a madman, dude. Or yeah, walking and, through the crowd with Duff, looking like either. Gay lovers or brothers. I can't quite understand. <laughs> Same woman made our pants and we're both blonde. <laughs> How did that's what I love though, that you it's not just you're friends with Duff, but you've kind of been uh, embraced by their entire family or vice versa. You've embraced his entire family. Yeah, so just did, went to Rachel Ray with Susan. How punk rock is that, dude? Nice. When you're at the Rachel Ray show with Susan McKagan <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm going to call her, and Megan's daughter, Lulu, uh, Lucy Blue. Dude, there's nothing more punk rock than that. And that's the gift, being open-minded. That's being rocking. Oh, drunk on the floor. Duh. No future. Dude, how un-punk rock is that in 2019? It is so lame. It is so, uh, I believe in nothing. Then why are you here? I want to be here to live. I want to be here to give. That's what I need more is about. People say, what does I need more mean to you? And it's the... I need more integrity. I need more character. I need more compassion. I need more forgiveness. Then I need more tight pants. I need more animal print. I need more jewelry. Now, the order is very, very real. And you know how I need more? I need more happened. I was at my old job, which brought me a lot of blessings and was a beautiful training ground. I'm getting so out of breath because I'm so into this. And I, <laughs> It's okay. Take a breath. Right. And I was at Carnegie Hall with Iggy, right? And I was like third row watching my boy up there doing the save Tibet thing, saving Buddhist monks in Tibet, but being more Iggy than ever, still being Iggy Pop in that same spot where the greatest of the greats have stood, Billie Holiday, Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli, Countless others. And there's my boy, Iggy Pop, shirtless, sink being Iggy. And I'm like, oh my God. And Iggy's always the catalyst to me. The angels start talking to me. And they're like, Jimmy, you need to change it up. You need to find your very own Carnegie Hall. You need to reach for a star higher in the sky, just like Iggy has. And you need to swing from that star and grab onto that star and swing from that star. And I'm like, oh my God. And I just start crying because I knew it was the truth. There's my boy Iggy giving it to me from Carnegie Hall again. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, but how do you get there? And I was like, you run and you dive. Just like Iggy. He runs and he jumps and he dives and he never knows where he's going to land, but he always believes He's going to land just right. And he does. And it's the Iggy Pop stage dive of faith. So the next day, or in a very short time, 
I went and I gave my notice at my job respectfully from, you know, like a month's notice or so. It happened to be while Iggy was on tour and they wanted to invite me to all the next shows. But I kept my word, that integrity. <laughs> I need more integrity. Sure. <laughs> and I stayed the whole time. And... um and that's how the birth of I Need More came. I gave notice. Okay. I just dived not knowing what I was going to do. And a year and a half later, I ended up with a store. Right on. Just to interject here, that is what I class the, you know, the sliding doors moment that something very similar, similar I should say, happened to me where mm-hmm. you, there's just an epiphany. Mm-hmm. And, some, you know, if you're open to it, you catch it, you get it, you make a decision that sliding doors moment goes your way. But there are so many people that have that sliding doors moment and don't take that opportunity. They continue to, I don't I don't know what it is, but when you're faced with making a decision where I was made to decide between my job or my family, I took the choice of going, yeah, this is it. Yeah, it was that Iggy moment where it was like, right, well, if I don't do it now, if I don't give you my notice now, I'm never going to do it. I had no money. I had no experience. I had nothing. The same as Jimmy, it was like now or never. If I don't do it now, it'll never happen. And so many people don't take the opportunity. More people should take the opportunity to just just, just go for it. Do you know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? You find yourself really happy. I agree. Uh, totally. I, I, I've had similar experiences. After my dad passed, I, I was like, if I don't go back on the air soon, it's never going to happen. There you go. So five days later, I'm back on the air, even though I felt like I was a ghost. Or when my uh, my friend Scotto left this podcast, and I was like, you know, what do I want to do with this? Am I going to go, what, like, what do I want to do with my career? Mm. You know, I love board hopping Keith Sweat's radio show or doing all the, the stuff I do, uh, you know, my actual radio job. But what do I want to do with this podcast? And let's have conversations like this all through the, the you know, the, 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 the threading the needle of, of, of GNR is to, to connect to, you know, with all these people who have similar stories. We all have similar stories. We also have a similar band in common. But again, it's like, what do I want to do? I got to shit, shit or get off the pot. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're, you know, living this dream out now. Uh, but to backstep a little bit, I'm assuming you had experience. Like, what did you, when did you start making clothes? One clothes? Yeah, I know. No experience. No experience. So Zero, I, dude. And that's the blessing. So how did it Liz, happen? You know, when Jagger's screaming, it's just a shout away. Listen to the shout and listen. Okay. Listen to the shout and follow through. I don't know how I know clothes. I always like clothes. I'm good at clothes. Whatever. I had a knack for it. I just started doing clothes. Like I have a, I have a knack for being on television. Why? Because I tell the truth and I don't see the camera. I just talk honestly. <clears throat> but clothes just came to me naturally. It's what I do. I don't sing. I don't dance. Well, I do. I can tap dance like a motherfucker. <laughs> I took tap dancing when I was a kid and I loved it. Uh, <laughs> Probably can't do it anymore, but I used to tap dance. You know, I don't play an instrument, but I sure do know clothes. Like I know, I've worked with so many people. When people say, and never be an elitist and call yourself rock and roll. There's Iggy at Carnegie Hall, saving Buddhist monks, dude. Yo, 10 notches up, regardless of age, race, color, sexual identity, just be. You know, I get a lot of shit for dressing when I used to dress a little Wayne 
or I worked with Beyonce, dude, they have just as much right to have what they want and find who they are as anybody on People the planet. People give you shit for working with them? Yeah, whatever. You're a sellout. I'm like, oh, please, whatever, dude. It's like, no, no, no. I'm Get equal opportunity and I'm about sharing it with it all. You know what I mean? I don't want to be an elitist. No, that's get out of here. What yeah. poser calls you a sellout? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. You know, you, you say everybody loves me. Not everybody loves me. But you know why? If you don't stand for something, you'll stand for nothing. And with that, not everyone's going to love you. Mm. Okay. And that's rock and roll. But the, the talent for clothes, it just happened. But I just I find that. what makes you happy. I know... I mean, I know how to make a set of boobs look good. I know how to make a rear end look good. I know how to zip a woman into a dress so she feels fabulous. I know. And I don't call them tricks of the trade. I call them uh, an emotional experience you have with someone. Maybe that's a little gay to word it that way. I know, politically incorrect word, but I meant nothing bad by it. Um, I just know how to make people feel good. Like, I know, like... Lenny Kravitz used to get a lot of shoes from me, or Prince for his band. His were custom made, or I worked a lot with him on the on the Super Bowl when he did the Super Bowl, and he sent his stylist back to me because I know the vibe he wants, because I know how he wants the band to look, because I know he knows how I, I how he wants to make them feel so they can give the best music to the to the to the people like if Slash's pants aren't right I have the same thing if my pants aren't right you're not gonna get the best of me so you worked with uh, Prince uh, for the halftime yeah, show yeah 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 can you tell us more about that I think the stylist was Abby at the time it was she was amazing Abby she came back to me twice for Prince and did Prince twice and he was so nice I mean I wouldn't talk directly to him one time I could tell I don't usually tell this story but I don't mind he was like on the phone listening. I could tell, but he wasn't saying a word mm. because that's just kind of how he is. You know what I mean? And I was so flattered. He was like, go back to that guy in New York. Same with Little Wayne. I am the one that made Little Wayne get tighter pants decades ago. You know what I mean? And it's like working with his stylist. And he was amazing and had awesome style. His Rolling Stone cover was him and I. Avril Levine's first Rolling Stone cover was like her and I <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> I was in love we with were her hanging, I know, she was so great. And we were hanging out in the back and I'm dressing this young kind of shy girl. And the woman with her is being a little overly protective in a good way, not in, not in a bad way. And I'm like, what is this? I was like... True story. I was like, is this a milk carton kid? It's like, oh my God, do my, do, is this like a kidnapped kid? And they're trying to like, this lady's trying to keep her all hidden. True, true story, dude. And it ended up being Avril Lavigne. They told me in the end it was her and I together working on what she wanted to look like for her first Rolling Stone cover. You didn't even know. Yeah, no, it was great. That's incredible. Is that the one with the? I mean, I can look it up. I think now. it's a little pleated skirt, a little red, a, a blue or red plaid pleated skirt. Oh That's a long, long time ago. I know, you know, but it's reminding me of college when she would be my desktop wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had an Avril Lavigne problem. Yeah, I liked her. She was nothing but nice, and so was her ex-husband, the guy uh, Derek from some thirty-one, forty-one. He was just as amazing. See again the diversity, you know. <laughs> So this is all again through word of mouth saying, see my boy Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did. You know, Alice Cooper used to say, go see, even though he's, you know, then people move on. They do their other things. And I get more people or different people. Yeah. You know, be like, go see Jimmy. Because sometimes they'd, they'd have everything wrong. I'm like, he's not going to put that on. I know him. Let me just tell you. Let me just do this. You know, let me just help you out and send this too. 
And usually I'm right on target. Because I want to make people happy. Everybody happy. And my name's not on that. Like Hedwig on Broadway, it was the stylist. What an amazing experience they were to work with, too. I wow. love being... So that's the best thing. It's not about being the big fish in the little pond. It's about being the little fish in the big pond. Think about it. When you look in a fish tank, what are the prettiest fish? The littlest ones, because they're the colorful ones and the shiny ones, and they scoot all around. So I'd rather be the little fish in the big rock and roll pond than the big fish, because <laughs> I get to be all the color. And no one knows all these things I do, but I get to be, oh my God, I'm going to cry again. I get to be this little piece of this great, big, beautiful thing that happens, this magic that happens on Broadway called Hedwig. I got to work one-on-one with the stylist, or I got to do two Madonna tours, you know what I mean, with Ariane Phillips. Wow. And man, those people work hard, you know, but you get to be this little piece of this great thing, or the Super Bowl with Prince, you're seeing it, it's like, whoa, I did that, I picked that, I made them happy with that. It's awesome, you know? And what's even more amazing, and it's been a testament to everything Lee has said about you and others have said about you, is that you're just beyond humble, where you just seem to take no, you, you take credit when it's brought up, but you don't show anything off. See that amazing woman on your chest? Debbie? <laughs> yes. Right? My t-shirt. She's not a bitch either. She's a really humble, great woman. I would, and I so would is Marianne imagine. Faithful, and so is Slash. Slash is one of rightly isn't Slash one of the most humble people in the world? Oh, on, on, do you know what? You, it, you, you hear stories, and people always say, "Never meet your heroes," but Pascal, <laughs> do you know what? That's the, the biggest false statement that I've ever heard. I mean, to just to be in his presence, and and it just left me speechless because he is just just a normal human being just like you <laughs> so sweet right <laughs> so nice yeah. yeah when you and jimmy may agree with me here but when you deal with people either personally or professionally in the industry you don't have to scratch the surface to reveal their true identity because their true identity really is what you hear and see there are some bad guys in the industry but you know i've never ever come across anybody and i've worked with you know many people over the over the you know the span of my career and slash and jimmy and you know genuine doesn't even come close if there was another word to describe genuine if there is one out there then that's them and Duff and my friend Mae McKagan and my two employees, China. It's great to see a new generation do it. And Eddie, you know, want to be humble and want to learn because it's all about learning. It's amazing. You don't need experience. Like going back to what Jimmy said, you had no experience in sewing or, or uh, you know, physically making. But when you've got the passion, I had no experience when I started. I couldn't remember anything. I had nothing. I had a box of tricks that I carried from 15 years ago in my college days, and I just had a go at it. But I had the passion to do it, and I think that probably carries you through over and above everything else. If you've got the passion, if you've got the desire, you will succeed. And if you've got the integrity and, the, and you're genuine with it, you know, the sky and beyond is your absolute limit. Right. And then you have to 
Here's here's what I learned. They, like I took all my street smarts. I'm a street kid, dude. I'm a runaway street kid. I grew up in the streets of New York City. You know what I mean? And I lived a very crazy-ass life. From the dance floor of Studio 54, the only punk rock boy I would see back then, safety pinned the clothes together, <laughs> dancing the night away at studio to running to the mud club, or, you know, wherever. You know, all the eras of music and clubs to end up being a junkie, living in a cardboard box, to end up turning it around and getting clean and sober like all the survivors ever did and getting out, like, fully healthy, you know what I mean, which is extra, 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 extra blessing. But then when you turn all that around and turn it into positive energy, uh, then I had to learn from what I call the greats. I always tell my employees, because you got to make a buck. You and I were talking about this earlier before the radio show began. To stay alive, I got to pay the rent. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, it's, you know, money makes the world go round. Money pays the rent. You you need to eat. Yeah, I don't want to go back to the cardboard box. That was free, but that was a pain in the ass, you know? <laughs> it's like, so uh, I learned from the greats, and it's like, how do I want to run my business? How do I want to make my own little personal empire? Let's call it an empire because you cherish it. It's your heart, right? It's your baby. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. more as my baby. And how do I want to keep my baby alive? Well, you need to pay the bills to keep the baby alive. And then I started. And you have to feed the baby, don't you? With the you have to feed the baby the right food. And this this comes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago. You know, you you have to have the right things in your store to fit your client base, and you have to make sure that you've got the right suppliers because you, you like you say, you've got bills to pay, you've got rent to pay, just like just like everybody else. So it's yeah, that's kind of like I think that's kind of part two though. Part one is like, well, how do you do that? You know what I mean? How do you do it? And you find, having been very, very fortunate and being trusted, because live by never kiss and tell, never write the book, and you'll always be invited back. Hmm. Don't betray people. It's not a good thing. It's not a good look either. To be a betrayer? Ugh. What an ugly No, let's start like an HBO show or something. So I can't think of anything more unattractive. Um... But I would, I just want to finish this, okay? I just want to finish this. I would watch the Iggy's and the people he surrounds himself with. And I would watch Slashes and the people he would surround himself with. And the man Blondie and who they would surround themselves with. It's important. And, uh, and they always surrounded themselves with the best trusted workers. I always saw the same people on the tours called back in you know like sam who works for slash is one of the most hardest working men in rock and roll they're all hard working and they're all right on target chemo the bodyguard you know cheryl the the manager for the miles kennedy you know the miles kennedy slash conspirators thing amazing hard worker iggy's been with henry forever his wife is the most amazing they all have beautiful women in their lives who stand behind them strong but if you have to have that hardworking, sincere, honest ethics, you know, desire and the ethics to do it right, you know? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. And since you are so humble and have this great vision, I can't just Google it and, and know these things. I want to know who else you've worked with throughout the years that you were just too humble to, you know, wear on your sleeve. I mean, you talk about Prince, you talk about Madonna. Like, <laughs> 
Who I don't else know anybody and everybody. I, I more, you know, who I just met, dude. It's like he came to the store and I was like, "Oh shit, dude!" That could seldom do I go, "Oh shit, dude!" It's like, yo, I was like, I was late for work a little bit on Sunday, and my boy Eddie, who works with me, calls me up, and he tells me he does. He says there's these people waiting for you. He says. And one of the names he says is Ringo, right? <laughs> but I'm not quite thinking, right? And I'm late, and I'm booking it to work, and I'm like 15 minutes late. Oh, my God. Again, the, the slash die together. So I walk into the store, and it's like, Ringo Starr. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, my God. And he's with the most amazing group of people. His, you know, that all-star band he has. They sure. brought them to meet me. And... um him to meet me and I couldn't even believe they were waiting for me that made me feel good and I walked in I walked right up and I was like oh shit I was like you're Ringo Starr I was like (laughs) (laughs) I was like Slash mentioned you a lot and really nice things about you and he goes yeah his mom used to make me clothes (laughs) and it was just like such a beautiful thing he was the most amazing man to me and he was exactly as you would expect him to be and be and he was so peaceful and making him happy and the wonderful people he was with with clothes making all their dreams come true again was just such a great honor and pleasure in my day wow dude then i dialed slash after i was like oh shit no i'm texting him look really quick he's that texter slash i'm like dude Ringo Starr was here. Guess what the first thing Slash says is, yeah, my mom, I remember when I was little, my mom used to make him clothes. I was like, that's the exact thing he said to me. I told him, you say. That's brilliant. Or Naomi Campbell. Dude, meeting Naomi Campbell, I was open like a week, and I got this amazing opportunity where they shot her in my window. They even paid me a lot of money to do it. Nice. That, that was a blessing. It helped nice. pay the rent. And watching Naomi Campbell be Naomi Campbell, I was in tears. She was mm. awesome. Awesome. Just unbelievable. Just that yeah. you are a destination, not just from for Lee in the UK to come here, but, uh, you know, Naomi Campbell and Ringo Starr. Yeah, but I, I want to add, it's like, it's not about those people. Mm-hmm. It's not just about those people. That's my blessing. And the support they give me is absolutely amazing. I probably wouldn't make it if they didn't, like, bow down and all throw on and I need more sure. You know, the Debbies, the Iggy's, the Duff's, the Ewan's, whoever, you know, all over, you know, the new breed, you know what I mean? Jesse Rutherford. You never know anybody from the beginning. I remember My Chemical Romance. I did their first album cover before they got Best Album. Really? Yeah, Gerard and that whole band was great. At the beginnings of Good Charlotte, they were the nicest people, you know? So you're like, that's just amazing mm-hmm. to me because those are people I grew up with, yeah. really. I mean, given my yeah. my age group, I saw, I would play My, my Chemical Romance on college radio, uh-huh. put it that way, before they, before I, mm-hmm. I'm not okay and everything broke. And I would look to them and their style, like, man, why can't I look that cool? Mm-hmm. So, and same thing with, with Good Charlotte at the time. So, mm-hmm. wow, that's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. But I, I have to know. Did Ringo buy anything? Yes. What did he buy? God, I can't remember. They put a bunch of shirts, some jackets. It was a group of people. And um, they were all so pleasant and nice. And um, they were just, they were just, oh, you know, you know what my favorite thing he bought was? <laughs> and I need more tote. A dude who was like, I gave it to him, of course. A tote they bag? spent a lot of money. Yeah, they spent a lot of money. They helped pay the rent for the day, that's for sure. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and they came in with no expectation. You know, because you do meet, not everyone's lovely. 
there are dicks out there and there sure. are bitches out there. I'm, I'm so-and-so and I feel you should give it to me. Well, I can't. I'm not that guy that can afford to do that, you know? Just give it, get, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what makes you any different than Slash who wants to pay or Debbie or anybody I know. like that, you know? The, uh, does Slash buy his rings that we've been hearing all episode uh, from your store? Do you Have you given Slash a ring? Um, no, uh, you know, he gets a lot of leather jackets. He used to get all his top hats from me and not the original one. And sure. then he got all the top hats for years. And then the amazing, wonderful love of his life, Megan, uh, just recently had a custom top hat made for him. So he doesn't get top hats from me anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> I think that's okay. For yeah, me. yeah, 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 yeah. What is, uh, what is Duff gotten? Because he, he's worn the shirt on stage. Yeah, but... Duff gets a lot of t- They're all t- Oh, my God. Slash gets a shitload of T-shirts. Now he just... And now I just hunt for T-shirts for him because he's got, God, he's got, he must have, I can't even imagine how many T-shirts he's got. I want to say thousands. He's a T-shirt pig. He he's loves a, T-shirts. He's a walking meme. Yeah. It's like he's, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, and I, I love that he got you insta, in, into Instagram because Slash is the best follow because he just posts these crazy ass pictures. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. just uh, right up my alley as far as yeah. sick sense of humor. So. Yeah. I like how he doesn't expose himself personally, which I do the exact opposite no. of. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a nice little uh, romantic story yeah. that Megan does in her Instagram. It's like. Yeah. following the notebook rock and roll version yeah well they love each other it's amazing you know it's, it's great to see my friend happy you know all 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 are how duff loves susan watching them be in love is like amazing uh you know or iggy and um his amazing gorgeous wife nina you know i love that all my friends are in love i mean this has been a real pleasure jimmy and I mean, I can, again, I can keep you here all day because every time we're just talking for a little bit, you keep dropping these nuggets of just, holy crap, you work with this person. Holy crap, you experienced this in your life. I mean, you, you say you don't want to write a book because you want to be invited back, but I, I hope you do at some well, point. Well, I could, I could write a book on the shore of the joys of life. That's for sure. Okay. You know what I mean? And a I self-help could, book. I could even, yeah, I could even, you know, write a book on the, you know, ups and downs. Of friend. There's no downs in friendships because they're all learning experiences. That's a good way to look at it. You know what? Let's ask some music questions, if I can. Okay. What's the best concert you've ever seen? Oh, come on. Top. Dude, like... is, there, is there a handful of, like, special ones that you've been to that really stick out in your mind? Maybe like one or two? I mean, everyone. First of all, let's start right here. Every Iggy show is amazing, all right? <laughs> uh, Slash in Paris, as he is in most places, sure. amazing. You know what I mean? Every time I see the Guns N' Roses thing, and I didn't, you know, I had been so spoiled in traveling around with Slash, meeting up for a few days and trusted to live right on the bus, which is like, you know, they work hard, dude. They're always in another city. They're always on another plane. They're always on another. It's not the big glamorous thing you think it is. And then you're locked in a room. Sure. You know, the dressing room forever. It's not horrible, but it's not this big glamorous, beautiful thing you think it is. There's magical, amazing moments. But dude, it is what it is. Then you go out there and they just give, 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 right? So it's a lot. So, uh, uh, huh. <laughs> Watching Debbie sing makes me melt. Um, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Who did you see at? Um, I'm assuming you were at the original G- the CBGBs. 
right? We, we, we... Yeah, but I was so blasted. Don't Fair uh, come enough. on. That's a different era. That's okay. like asking me what was your favorite night at Studio Fifty Four, the Mud Club, <laughs> you know, Danceteria. Uh, I don't know. That was a drug induced life. Because I'm just curious if you got to see Blondie or the, or the Ramones. At I'll tell you my favorite night at CBGBs. Okay, so that I can tell you. The second to last night. Talk about emotion. Well, what, previous to that, it wasn't a night, but when the New York City named the street after Joey Ramone, mm-hmm. yeah. Joey's mom, God rest her beautiful soul, had asked me to be one of the speakers. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, oh, wow, it's right. Hmm. I was like, wow, okay. So I had gotten there um, really, really early, and I, um, and I uh, ended up like right on the side of the stage up front. And I got to help everybody on stage. And that would be a whole episode, that the story <laughs> of that night. And it was when my turn. I was like, no, no, no. I was just like, um, there's so many other people here that are more important in Joey's life than me. And she goes, no, you're important to Joey. You were important to Joey and you're important. To me. You're going to speak. And I stood up and I went out on that stage and it was like, whoa, that room was so filled with love all the way to the back. And I mm-hmm. knew it had taken over three blocks outside because someone had told me and I, the story I had to tell came straight from my heart. We'll see that one for another episode. And okay. It was amazing. And I remember Jim Jarmish, one of my favorite people on the planet now, wasn't my friend back then, becoming his friend and his, you know, uh, partner in life, Sarah Driver. Oh, that's a blessing of this year, of last year. And, um... He came right up to me after in all his magnificence telling me, you know, how powerful it was what I said. So that's my number, that's one of my number one favorite nights at CBGB's. But my number one, number one Mm -hmm. is the second last night of the club. And Debbie was singing. Debbie was the second to last night. Patty was the last night. And I went, and you know, when you go see Debbie, you always bring flowers, not street flowers, <laughs> all right? You order them from a fancy florist. And I walked to that I'm venue. assuming you didn't go to a gas station. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even. I have a very special florist, Elizabeth Ryan Florist, who I always get my flowers from and send them to all the fabulous men and women in my life. And I walked through that crowd with the flowers above my head because it was packed. And I walked right towards the stage as she was singing. And I went up and I, you know, I bowed. I went to hand her the flowers and she goes, come on up here with her one finger. And I went up on stage and she grabbed my face and she kissed me on the lips. And I'm like, and I um, melted and she held the flowers and she continued to sing. Well, all of a sudden, moments later, it hit me. This is the second. This is the second to last night of a beautiful piece of my life and history, and I started getting very, very overwhelmed, and I just had to leave. I just couldn't do it. So I turned. I cry right now. I turned around, and I started heading out the door. <laughs> And Debbie started singing, call me, call me anytime. And I just bawled. I left. And it was the last song I ever heard in CBGBs. And she still had my flowers. And it was so much to me. I walked all the way over from 
there on the Bowery to the west side till I hit the water. And then I knew I had to turn around and go back because I lived on the east side. Jeez. And it was one of the most powerful, beautiful moments ever in my life. That sounds like a dream, and you yeah, lived it. Yeah, yeah, magical. Just, just one many, one of many magical moments in your life, and yeah. I'm so glad that you're, you're here to to share them, to relive them, because you're mm-hmm. really putting us in in the moment. And again, it's it's Christmas Eve. I would be thanking you for your time anyway, but for you to sp- take time out of your day and and your friend Jeff who came down here as well. So you were, you know, uh, you're here with 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 friends. Yeah, good friends. You're here with good friends. Jeff's a good friend. Jeff, a beautiful human as well. Yeah, yeah. Jeff has a couple of Lee's pieces. He okay. got all this custom work from her through the store. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. This has been a great moment for me. You know, for for Lee to have reached out. To you know, so I have so many wonderful listeners who reach out, who either share stories or try to connect me with other people, and it's all for a positive reason. So to be here in this moment, to relive these moments with you, to connect with uh, with with Lee, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away, it's just uh, it's it's special. So just thank you for your time, and as you you alluded to uh, before, you're always welcome back. If 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 there's a sale, I need more, and you want help promoting it. Uh, please you let know, me know. Uh, I'll, I'll come anytime. Just ask. You know what I mean? We'll make the time. We'll make it happen. I just hope I didn't chatter too much and there was some kind of continuity. Like, I love life so much. And life has been so good to this little runaway boy that came here in 1975 that I'd just like to thank everybody that has stepped foot in that store. You don't have to have a big name. You just have to have a big heart. And I just want to thank everybody that helped make me, me, and all my dreams come true. Well, for those of you who, whether you're local or not, obviously pe- from people from all over the world are, are coming to, to I Need More in New York City, uh, 75A or Orchard Street, or is it Orchid Street? Orchard. Or, or, no, Orchard. Orchard. You, ne- you never know. Yeah. Uh, and obviously at, at I Need More, you could buy Lee stuff. So Lee, before no. we get out of here, before you... You know, get get those last minute uh, cookies and milk out before uh, Santa comes. Well, that was really terrible. Let's see, that's what happens when a Jew tries to make a Christmas joke. It's not working. Uh, anything else you want to add? Anything you want to ask? Uh, I want to say thank you to two people and their parents. Sure. I want to say thank you to Nico in Florida and Julian right here in New York. They're both six years old. They're both so rock and roll, and they make me know and prove there is a future. So thank you, Nico. Thank you, Julian. You are rock and roll. All right. So we got to make sure they listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, Lee, anything else you want to uh, add before we get out of here? I am so, so glad that you took opportunity to listen to the reason why I thought Jimmy should come on the show. You know, aside from his amazing stories. He has such an amazing message to give out to people that is so unique, you know, and I love him so much. Jimmy, I just, Jimmy changes lives, you know, whether it just be through the small things or the big big things. You always remember where you were when you met Jimmy and it doesn't matter who you are. He just takes that little piece of your heart and he keeps it warm till the next time you speak to him or the next time you see him. He's a, the most genuine human. And I wish every success for his business because I can only see it, 
increasing, getting better. But that's just testament to Jimmy and the love he has to give to the world. I, I just, I, I have so much respect for Jimmy. Uh, unbelievably, I think he's an he's the strongest, most amazing human ever. More than you will all ever know. Well, I hope we we, Thank were, you, Lee. we were able to capture at least some of that uh, today because that's kind of how I felt. I'm like, where do I even start with this guy? You know, and uh, just wanted to happen naturally, just like everything else. Just happen. Like, that's how it, it, you can't help but be around Jimmy Webb is just be natural, organic. And I guess knew that's how the conversation uh, was going to flow. So thanks. Uh, until next time, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Whether you, you listen on the iHeartRadio app, uh, you found us through AlternativeNation.net, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, however you listen. It doesn't matter. Thank you so much. Tell a friend. And uh, when will you see the next episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, <laughs> but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.